Good evening. Good evening, Mark. <laughs> Somebody's breathing heavily into our microphone. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I think I'm the only one here, unless Scott's here. I think Scott's here. Mm-hmm. Hey, Scott. Hello. Can you move? Yeah, mostly. <laughs> That's good. Ah, <laughs> It's pretty good, actually. I'm a little bit sore still, but I don't notice it much except when I'm trying to put on my socks. I thought about you when I put on my Hufflepuff socks this morning. Mm-hmm. I've discovered it works to sit on the steps that go up to my landlady's part of the mm-hmm. house because it's lower than anything else that I have. So I can put stuff on there if I sort of keep bopping back and forth between the bottom step and the next one up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. Still awkward, but oh well. Yeah. But yeah, fun stuff. I've been listening to the third installment of My Nephew Harry. Oh, yes? Yeah, because I'm editing and and actually sent Jenny a link because it's the first one she was in. So what the heck was I laughing at? Which time? Oh, because we were talking... I was thinking of a, what, like, what we did last week you know, when I saw the... No, we were talking about Hagrid, and, and the line was, Hagrid didn't have any kids that he knew of. And Jenny said... How could Hagrid not know if he had kids or not? Is he a Casanova? And that set us off on whether or not Hagrid had intimate relationships. And Scott said, well, maybe he could have been artificially inseminated. And then uh, we talked about a few other things. And I said, well, when Scott's saying things like that, all I can think of is the vet with his, you know, glove up to his armpits with his hand inside the cow and you lost it, completely lost it at that point. You were laughing so hard you could not breathe. You're like, I have to have a bit just catch my breath. <laughs> it was really funny. Nice. So that's also the pothole episode where we dis where we decide that because Dumbledore drops everything to deal with the Harry situation when he finds out that Harry's, you know, been abused and everything, and Jenny says, Well, the roads department aren't getting their, their help from Dumbledore. That means that the wizarding world is full of potholes. And so then we start a pothole discussion that lasts throughout the entire story. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Because Dumbledore has so many jobs, you know, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, and that's also the episode with the squibs. And we were talking about how we wanted to see the squib meeting. Hi, I'm Ralph. I'm a squib. <laughs> you know? And we were talking about how they aspired to be accountants and better than janitors because most of them were janitors. But Ralph was good because he was a typesetter. So he was, he was up there in the ranks. So yeah, they were pretty funny. We had a good time with it. We laughed and laughed and laughed. If you want to listen to that episode, it is episode 175 of Potterfic Weekly. <laughs> I was laughing like that yesterday because there's another a podcast I don't actually listen to, but uh, one of the webcomic people whose comic I read was a guest on this webcomic podcast. It started out as, you know, the first few minutes were a relatively serious discussion of some new thing that was coming out with comics and they were doing a digital app and stuff but the fellow who was the guest was having interesting things go on with his skype and uh, at one point uh, in the middle of him laughing about something it got caught in a loop so the entire so the next three minutes was all just him going ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and the other guys on the other side the other side of the podcast were just 
can't breathe because they're laughing so much. They're at this. laughing so hard listening to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Well, I got a phone call. One of one of my friends um, went home from work ill on Friday, and she was supposed to go to a comedy night at another friend's church. And she sent the friend a Facebook message and said, I don't have your phone number, but um, I can't go. I'm still sick. And I happened to see it, and I had the friend's phone number, so I called her to let her know in case she didn't see Facebook and left a message. So two hours later, I get a phone call saying, would you like to go to this comedy thing with me? So I went last night and watched. I can't remember her name. Her name is Leslie Thompson, Townsend, something like that. She's been on Star Search and Letterman and all of these different shows. And she came and she put on quite a show. And it was Women's Night Only. But it was really fun because they had they had a get-together before it started. And they had teenagers walking around as waitstaff. And they all had... They had cookies and mints and nuts and things, and they were walking around with their little trays, and they had trays of water. And then we went in and, I don't know, spent an hour and a half laughing. She was pretty good, and she was funny. So we laughed and laughed and laughed, and then we went back out, and they were still circulating with food and just, you know, nibbles. It was in popcorn. And they had the coolest stuff. They had honey, popcorn salt, curry powder, powdered jello, all these things. Not all, not, not all together. No, to sprinkle on your popcorn. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All this stuff to sprinkle on your popcorn. I'd never seen half of it. Oh, I've seen some, um, you can get, you can get them at some of the, some shops and stuff like that. It, like, you can get jalapeno and, yeah, and stuff. I just, I think I've seen the curry, I've seen the curry before. That actually sounds good. I like curry. I love, I love the smell curry. Smell curry is like one of my favorite things to smell. I have a, used to have, it's, it's died since, but a curry plant that doesn't make curry, the spice, but it smells like curry, the spice. It's really nice. But I, it always makes makes me hungry. I don't think it would live where you live, Trisha. I think it's too cold there. Well, you're just as cold as me. (laughs) I know. Well, that's why it died. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. Understood. I'm like, wait a minute. It lived with you. (laughs) No, it didn't, it didn't survive. So, yeah, I love the smell of curry. Mm-hmm. Curry's good. Yeah, kind of. It's kind of the one thing I kind of miss with my ex-husband. <laughs> Did he like curry? Oh, he loved curry, but he he loved the cooking. He was a really good cook. So mm. he, that's like the only time I miss it's that and eggnog. Uh, that, like every Christmas, that's the only time I kind of miss him because he made really good eggnog. Mm. Eggnog's hard. I always hated eggnog until I found there's one brand that I like, and I adore it. And the minute it hits the stores, I start stocking up on it because, you know, it's only here for a limited time. Oh, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I've never liked it in store brands. I've never really liked even eggnog. And then he made one with, with alcohol. Mm-hmm. I think it was it was an emerald. It was an emerald one, and it was, it was fantastic. And then because it would make so much of it, we use it as um, to, to dip bread in and, and make French toast out of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean... I, you can feed it to the kids and stuff because all the alcohol has gone away. Right. It was it was so good. Yeah, it's the. I should try to make it myself, but I won't. Oh, <laughs> the Organic Valley eggnog. Get that here. Is the only one I like, and it's really good. I'll have to try it because I think we get yeah I think we get Organic Valley here. And you know, Mike, I was at Mike's one Christmas. He's like, I've got eggnog. I'm like, okay, thanks. And he poured it in the cup, and I was just like, oh. I can't drink this. This is disgusting. 
disgusting. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, it's not the one I like. <laughs> so I, I don't know if I've tried organic belly. I don't know if we have them here or not. I'll have to look them out. Very picky about it. So I don't really like um, most eggnogs that I've tried either. I have to dilute it with milk or something. It's yeah. Just, I don't like the weird taste, mm-hmm. which I'm not. I'm not sure what... The original eggnog before they started making Snorbot eggnog was supposed to taste like, so I don't know if it's just eggnog that I don't like or if it's something that they do that I don't like. It could be spices in it, too, depending on Mm -hmm. if you you like nutmeg, because sometimes they they overpower nutmeg. nutmeg. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like nutmeg, but it's sometimes just like, okay, enough's enough here. Mm -hmm. Wow, we're in a Christmas mood. We're talking about eggnog. Eggnog! <laughs> Jen would tell us that there's like 50 days till Christmas or something like that. Mm-hmm. Two months. Oh, well, but, you know, by the time people are listening to this, uh, Christmas will probably have covered God, so. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> I mean, it, it could, could be, be Christmas 2014. <laughs> yeah, it probably will be. <laughs> yeah, That's the way we roll around here. Yes, we're, going, we're going for a walk because. You know, it wouldn't be a podcast without the cat at the door. Hi, Alex. Well, you're bringing big bugs in with you, buddy. Let's leave the June bugs outside. Well, does he eat stink bugs? Because we've got tons of them here. I know, that's what, these are like those June bugs, those are little armored things. And I have a- Yeah, that's what, yeah, yeah. we call those stink bugs. We call those stink bugs because they smell. If you, yeah, uh, but those, they're black. Stink bugs are black. These are kind of a greenish color. And- what was that? That was me sitting thought, down. Sorry. Oh, I thought Scott fell. No, it was the um, cord for my... Song. I did it? Oh, good. I'll hopefully it recorded. When I sat down, the uh, mic cord fell. Alex, when you do that, it freaks him out because you rub on the... <laughs> you rub it on the computer. Oh, come here. And he's got pine needles stuck to his tail. You're a goofy cat. Do you know that? Uh, I can tell that that my um, housekeeping skills are are not so good because there's a fly buzzing around in here, and when I looked up to see the fly, there's a perfect cobweb. Wait, you're 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 going on garlic. That's because Alex's ta- tail is over top of the microphone. I know he's gonna, and now he's getting ready to fall. This is a June bug. Alex, lay down. I thought June bugs were only supposed to be out in June. I know, so did I. It says it's a, oh, well, dragonfly woman. Alex, you can't do this. If you're going to do this, I'm going to boot you. Yeah, if you turn off the call, I'm going to be really mad at you. <laughs> Stop. Cat is taking over. Animals have taken over. He's being a brat. Hmm. And I have just realized that I haven't opened the fig for tonight. I suppose I should do that. I haven't. That would probably be helpful. Hmm. I suppose. Candy crush. I've been making lists that work for all the stuff that I need to oh. bring a marathon this week. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the link to this podcast, Scott. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. I'm always up for a, a new podcast. Um, yes, I haven't tried to listen to any of their other ones, but that one was fun. <laughs> yes, we just wound up Chapter 24, mm-hmm. in which Alba said, Liam didn't do this, but I know who did. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, and, and I fit, then Trish. I went to bed and finished the damn thing. <laughs> and you yep. had a question, did you? What yeah. was your question? What the hell is Liam? You have to read the second one to find out, I think. Uh, that's what I was wondering. 
I was really ticked off. I'm like, I'm like, I'm reading this. You're like, oh, it might be the, then I, I don't know, because the last chapter really isn't a chapter. Mm-hmm. And I didn't read that because I just didn't want to, <laughs> because it didn't pertain to the story that much. Right. It was like question and answer. So I'm like, I like skimmed it, seeing if it had told me what Leah was. And it doesn't. And it doesn't. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, and I've read the second one. But I can't remember what Liam is. I maybe. Okay, what chapter are we on? Are we twenty or twenty-five. Twenty-five. Okay. Like, it's not him. I want to say there's a mer person in here somewhere, but I don't think it's him. No, that's a girl. Well, I would uh, think it'd be mm-hmm. kind of hard to be a mer he, person. He showed us the the introduction scene of the mer girl, who's the scary goth girl as well. Oh, that's it. In in one of the um, author's notes to this, but that the actual scene shows up in the second one, mm-hmm. apparently. Okay, I'm really bad. I do not read authors' notes. <sighs> I don't no, blame you. It doesn't really um, pertain to this story we're covering. It's just um, she will show up in uh, in the second in one. In the second one. Thinking in a couple of the chapters, he was having a poll about uh, what sort of um, hybrid creature people might most like to see, and he came up with four or five that he thought were good, and then eventually decided to pick the mer person one. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Apparently, it comes into the plot because they need somebody to speak mermish, but I haven't read the second one, so I don't know what goes on. It's really good. good. If you guys enjoyed this one, you should read that one in your spare time. So. Spare time's good. I can barely hear you. Sorry. I, I haven't been, I don't know, I haven't been able to do that for so long. To have spare time and read? Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. I, t- <laughs> I took a book to the dog park yesterday and got to read for a little while. I don't get to read very often. Alex, I'm going to throw you out of here if you don't lay down. Stop it. He's being a pest. I knocked him on his back, and he was, like, stuck there like a turtle for a little bit. And I thought <laughs> I had won, but he's figured out how to get out of it. So now he's back. Devil child. You're a devil child. Just today. He says, I'm going to ignore you and lick myself now. Hmm. Well, I suppose we should start the podcast. I suppose. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to start us up, Scott? Sure, why not? Assuming my microphone and or Skype behaves this time. Yes. For Friday, October 31st, this is episode 198 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Happy Halloween. The next time. Previously on Potterfic Weekly. Where would you like to start, Sue? (laughs) Well, let's start at the beginning. That would be awesome. My resolutions for this Potterfic weekly season is not to snort. Welcome to Potterfic whatever. <laughs> oh, Scott. Did we, did we lose Scott? Yep. Okay, what did I miss? <laughs> Am I surrounded by Hufflepuffs? You yes, are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Apparently, I'm Jen, and I don't know my outfit. <laughs> no, she's the poster child for our podcast. Shit. <laughs> 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 I snort. I think I need more meds. My meds have kicked in, I can tell. Sure. (laughs) I think that's two. That could possibly be three. Moving right along. I felt like a rock star. Just really big knickers. Pants are your underpants, not trousers. Waterpick Weekly, defining strange terms for your edification. (laughs) But I was planning on getting grammar anytime soon. Really, honestly. Saxon snorkax. 
two of my favorite subjects. I love Snape. You are quite possibly clinically insane. In the nicest sense of the word, of course. <laughs> we'll always laugh before the end. Part of it we please. Where the story never ends. Welcome to Potterfic Weekly, the not-at-all-close-to-a-morning-show podcast where we cover various Harry Potter fan fiction. I am Scott. I'm Sue. And I am Trisha. And today we are covering the last section of Albus Potter and the Year of the Badger, chapters 25 to 29. And uh, we're beginning off of, as I mentioned earlier, if we don't edit it out, the point where Albus has figured out who the mysterious bad guy is, and it's not Liam who's just been arrested and taken off for the crime. Mm-hmm. And I'm not positive he knows who's who it is right now, but he knows what's happening and where they're going to be. So, mm. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, he's... He's dashed off to his room to get the invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm. And um, when he gets back to the common room, Rose wants to know, all right, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Why can't we just tell your dad about it? He was just here. And Albus says, I don't have, we don't have time. They might be breaking into the safe in Uncle Neville's office right now. And if they do, then they're going to sabotage James's broom. And I can't risk my brother. Basically, because while the brothers fight, they are still brothers and they will still defend each other from all comers. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the uh, only I get to beat up my little brother thing, <laughs> except in Elvis's case, it's the other way. But, you know, yeah, only I get to beat up my big brother, mm-hmm. which does actually happen in this set of chapters, sort of oh, yeah. almost. I used to beat the crap of my brother. Did you? Oh, yeah. Were you mean? Well, no. Well, he started it, and I just finished it. <laughs> Somehow, I don't have any trouble seeing that in my head. Well, my brother is six years older than I am, so mm-hmm. he tell he, so he just used to let the crap out of me. One time, he was just bothering me and just picking and picking and picking. And my parents have this um, hallway. It's real narrow. I mean, you can. It might be about three, maybe four feet wide. It's not even four. It's probably about three feet wide. And I'm in the hallway with him. I went to kick him. And he grabbed a hold of my foot and started talking. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? So I put my hands on either side of the wall, Mm -hmm. lifted myself up, and kicked him with the other foot. (laughs) He he drops my foot. I fall down. And he staggers back. His nose is bleeding. And he looks at me and goes, you're the karate kid. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So, so you're supposed to teach and I'm supposed to learn, remember? For four days I've been busting my ass, I haven't learned a goddamn thing. Uh, you learned plenty. I learned plenty. I learned how to sand your decks, maybe. I wash your car, paint your house, paint your fence. I learned plenty, right? Uh, not everything is as seen. Oh, bullshit. I'm going home, man. Those are fun hallways because you can actually climb them and hang out at the ceiling. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the kind of hallway it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as long as you have strength in your arms and legs, you can you can just get up there. And I have friends that have done that, and you walk down the hall, and they'll make a noise, and you look up, and they're just looming over you, and they scare the snot out of you. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh boy. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, my brother used to. I mean, my brother used to just be nothing. So. <laughs> okay, so the plan is they're gonna go find Uncle Neville, and. Rose says, well, what if we can't find Neville? Can we go tell somebody else? And, J- and Albus says, we don't know who we can trust. We don't know who the other, who these people are. 
So they head off to find Uncle Neville. They want to make sure that Neville catches whoever it is in the act so they can mm-hmm. prove that this is what's going on. Right. And it also helps that he's had some aura training, so they figure he can take whoever this is. Mm-hmm. And they find him in the hallway, kind of aimlessly walking and whistling to himself or humming to himself. And they, you know, they all show show up and they're all talking at once. And he's like, whoa, 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 slow down one at a time. Actually, I love what he says. I may have two year ears, but I use them one at a time, which mm-hmm. I liked. And they explain, Albus explains, and Neville says, well, the Arboretum is closed today. You can't go in there. And they look at each other and they say, but why? And he kind of gives them a dumbfounded look for just a second. And then he says, it just is. I'm the the professor here and I've decided. It just kind of reminds, it kind of reminds, I don't know why it reminds me of this. You ever read Matilda? Mm-hmm. And going, I'm big, you're little, I'm smart, you're dumb. <laughs> it just kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, and he says, I've sent everybody out and it's closed off. Let's go outside. You guys should be outside getting ready. And Albus realizes that Neville's been imperious, which the text reader does not read correctly. Imperiused. <laughs> I like him. Imperius? What is Imperius? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. That sounds like a perfume. Mm-hmm. And because Neville had once talked to Scorpius and kind of told him about his family, Scorpius was able to kind of snap him out of it for just a little bit. And he reminded him, you know, do you remember telling me about your family and how they don't remember you? Well, right now you're not remembering things. And that gives him just enough to break the spell for just a minute and he falls to his knees and he's holding his head and he cries out in anguish and he just says i can't break it i can't hold it just go and so they run by him and when albus looks back he's kind of strolling along and humming he he doesn't remember the encounter at all so they head down the into the enclosure i guess they head up and they get to neville's office which is a glass enclosure and they see a cloaked figure with a paper in his hand, tracing a pattern on the door. And they kind of sneak in, and they all get ready. And Rose nods, and Albus throws back the cloak, and they all, skip away! And they're all like, yay, we did it! But the figure doesn't And fall. nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> and he turns around, and it's Professor Farrell. Mm-hmm. And he smiles and says, well, yes and no. And he backhands Rose and sends her flying through the air. And she hits a bookcase and knocks down books and breaks the glass of the wall. And she's just laying there. And Albus is full of rage and he yells, Reducto! Which sort of blows a hole in the professor and knocks him... kind of smells like burnt wood. (laughs) And knocks him into the, the vault. And Scorpius runs in really fast and slams the door before he can get on his feet in there. They kind of look at each other and they look at Rose. They run over and... And uh, there's this fist banging on the door. And, and Scorpius is like, we need to get her out of here right, right now. And so they, they start to get away. And they're like, what was that? And, of course, Rose, who's half conscious, is like, golem. <laughs> they're like, what? It's a golem. And Scorpius says, we're in deep trouble. And Elvis is like, yeah, you think? <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of heading away, and Albus has an idea because of something he's read in Moody's book about ambushes. Mm-hmm. And he figures 
if we work this out right, they can kill it. So they sort of wait around a corner, uh, or I guess from under the cloak. Um, well, Albus the, and Rose are under the cloak, and Scorpius mm-hmm. is down a bit. Go ahead. And the, the golem bursts out of the office, and uh, there's a big chunk missing from where Albus blew part of its chest into dust, and uh, there's some sort of sap coming out of it. And then Scorpius steps out. Mm-hmm. you got to be louder, Trisha. He's falling down. Christmas oh, list. Tell Christian. I know. I want a new headset. He'd be like, huh? <laughs> Thank you. What were you saying? Sorry. About the sap? Oh, I, I was, it's kind of like, I was. I would say that's kind of more of a representing a blood mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, okay, you heard it. Mm-hmm. But it's starting to fill back in to Albus's horror. That would be yeah. worth and Scorpius steps out and basically mocks it so it charges at him and then flings himself to the side and Albus leaps out from under the cloak and says reducto again and blows it back through a wall that they had um, charmed into being there and then it's trapped behind the wall. Mm-hmm. But it's not just alone behind the wall because they've sent it through into where the Dolores Umbridge weed lives. Hold on. Flurry. Sorry, I gotta go get a cat. No, my cat's being bad. <laughs> I better hope the other cat doesn't come down from upstairs. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have three bad cats in a row. There's two doors in, uh, in its row, though, so he probably won't. Mm. Okay, sorry. It's alright. She's jumping on things and she's not supposed to. <sighs> mm, they do that. So the umbrage weed starts tearing this thing apart and it, uh, I'm sorry, doesn't anybody picture the, the umbrage weed being like, uh, it has to have some kind of pink bows on it. <laughs> I see it in this pink cardigan. Yeah. <laughs> With all these, the main trunk is like wrapped in pink wool, and then the branches come out and... Well, the branches have little, like, especially after they trimmed it, they had to put little pink bows on it. Well, that way you know which branch you trimmed, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. I don't think Neville would go for that. He's probably trying to uh, <laughs> keep off the bad memories as much as possible. That's true. So the the plant just tears it limb from limb, and Scorpius is holding his arm and wincing, and Albus is like, what's wrong with you? We beat it! Yay! And Scorpius is not over yet. And the golem shares the life force with its creator, and so there's still the real Professor Farrell to get through. Okay, so the golem is more of, like, it's a puppet kind of thing? I mean, I'm trying to figure out what exactly a golem is. In this case, it's a doppelganger. It's a copy of Farrell that's much stronger and faster than he is, but can't use magic. Okay. And it was so he could be in two places at once and get away with things. Right. Because they saw him in the audience during the Quidditch game, so that's how they ruled him out. So if he was in two places at once, then. And as they're discussing this, we hear this voice echoing up from below. Albus, Albus Potter, why don't you and your friends come down? And Scorpius says, I've broken my arm, I can't help you. You can do this. It's, you are our only chance. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. And so Albus leaves the cloak with him and says, you guys need to get out. Because if you don't, then nobody will know to warn anybody, and James will end up getting hurt during the Quidditch. Scorpius says, you need to treat him like a, you need to treat Pharaoh like a chess opponent, because Scorpius, or because Albus is really, really good at chess. 
So Albus heads down and he said, and he's thinking of Moody, cheat. If you're evenly matched, cheat. If they're superior to you, cheat a lot. Cheat mm-hmm. worse to look for. Yep. And he gets down there and Farrell says, too bad you won't remember this until it's time for you to do it. I'm going to enjoy shaping you. You're going to make a really good soldier. I'm not quite sure what the word is for the person that he is working for. And it's all we have is the dreamer. That's what he calls him, the dreamer. When the dreamer awakens, I'll offer you to him. And it sounds pretty creepy. It's like the diamond in the rough thing from Aladdin. Yeah. And Albus, you know, he puts on his best Scorpius sneer and says, you're going to have to duel me first. And then he just picks at the man because Farrell's been, you know, he does really, really well at the dueling club. But as a teacher, he's just terrible. Sucks. Yeah. So Albus is just egging him on. You're not really a teacher. I think those dueling trophies were just something you bought at a rummage sale. I thought that was funny. I'm like, do you know what a rummage sale is? <laughs> but they might have rummage sales. In, in That's true. Yeah. The wizard I don't know what the British um, expression would be for that. It might be right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he makes him so mad that Pharaoh attacks him. And when he does... Albus has stopped on his way down and gotten the... Uh, Bastille Rose. Bastille that, Rose, yeah. That Neville showed them in their first herbology lesson. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when Farrell's spell hits the uh, nimbus of multi-hued energy that's around Albus and bounces back, it knocks him out. And Albus breathes a sigh of relief until... There's, there's the golem again. Yes. <laughs> You've caused me lots of trouble, and I think killing you is the best way to serve my master. This is going to hurt. <laughs> He's a creepy thing. I don't think I want a golem around me. Hmm. And just sort of starts squeezing him, mm-hmm. but then Neville comes Neville to the comes. rescue. Yay! He managed to th- throw off the memory spell, but he's obviously a little worse for wear. Yeah. But still. Yeah, I mean- He's swaying on his feet. He's drenched in sweat. But you know what? I mean, he. this is Neville. Neville's been through battle. Neville's mm-hmm. been through everything. Hell, he made a damn plant called Numbridge. Yes. I mean, he's not... He's he's, he's not something that you, someone you, you trifle with anyhow. No. Mm-hmm. And then he looks at, he looks at, he looks at Neville, I mean, Neville looks at Albus and says, do you trust me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, he does some kind of incendio charm or something. Yep. Well, he, well, first he shoots a cutting curse right past Albus and cuts off the golem's head. And so it falls off and both parts of it are still alive, but it sort of has to go find its head again before it can see where it's going. Do anything. I lost my head. Sort of like, I lost my glasses. I can't find my glasses. I lost my head. I can't see a thing without my head. (laughs) I need that. And then he casts Incendio and burns him to pieces. Burns him to ash. Yeah. And then he kind of sifts through the ash because if any piece of the golem is left, it can still come after him. And there's can you just see a little stick coming like like, like an inch form? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. This is one little finger trying to crawl away. <laughs> and Albus gets to reduct to it. And then we change chapters to maladjusted. They had fun with the uh, Malfoy puns in this mm-hmm. story. 
Oh, yeah, they did. It was, some of them were quite cute. Some of them, I'm like, okay, enough. It's almost like the damn serious joke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's pretty fun, too. So Albus and Scorpius are waiting outside the headmaster's office because the grown-ups are inside talking about the story. And Rose is in the hospital, and Albus is trying to hear through the walls, and he can't. And they find out that Scorpius arrives at the hospital ring. Ring. I keep doing that. Hospital wing. To find out his arm's not broken, just cracked. Pomfrey puts him back together. And Rose wasn't too bad. The books kind of helped her. They cushioned her a bit. <laughs> yeah, they they held held her up away from the shelves a bit. Mm-hmm. So. But she's in the hospital, and she's they're trying to keep her there. And, and she's arguing. Mm-hmm. And his mother, father, Professor Shacklebolt, and a weary-looking Uncle Neville are uh, having a conversation. And, of course, Ginny is not happy with Harry because Harry has given Albus not only the invisibility cloak, but Moody's diary. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're kind of listening in. They're trying to listen in because Albus has extendable ears, but they can't quite do it until Rose shows up and... She snuck out. Her parents are arguing, and so she just kind of snuck past them while they were arguing and came up, and she's got the extendable ears in a in a good spot so they can all kind of listen to what's going on. Yeah, she's figured out how to uh, best to use them. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they get tuned in just in time to hear Albus's mom's voice saying, Let's review here. My 11-year-old little boy, my niece, and their friends stopped a golem and a dark wizard by themselves. <laughs> then you hear this, ow, from Harry Potter. <laughs> she belts him. Mm-hmm. We have this, uh... I love, I just, I like that thing. It would appear that your son has inherited his father's ability to be anywhere, anywhere near a dark wizard without running afoul with him. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore's voice with a chuckle. And Kingsley is sort of giving him a bit of a critique because it's um, he, he's interested that Albus was kind of able to figure out which way to go with Farrell because mm-hmm. he's a good duelist, but he's never been in battle, so he's not he's uh, not really trained to anticipate what the other person is going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Albus just instinctively knew. He found this chink in his armor, and he and he exploited it. Mm-hmm. And that's but that's what you have to do. That's any kind of competition thing. I mean, it could be sports. I mean, life and life and stuff. You want to get get ahead sometimes. You got to find some chink in your armor. Sometimes you have to exploit it. Right. You know, it's not it's not fair. You know, it's not the Hufflepuff way, but still. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And speaking of Hufflepuff, the next mm-hmm. thing Shacklebolt says is that. Farrell admitted to tampering with the sorting, so they're going to have to um, let them all, all four of them, be resorted if they want to. Right. Well, then they're not even going to really resort them. They're going to just let them pick which house they want to be in. And so we have uh, Lucius Malfoy, who shows up, and he's scarier than Albus thought he would be. And so we have Ron and Hermione are with... Rose, and Ginny and Harry are with Albus, and Lucius is with Scorpius, and Shacklebolt says, okay, I'm going to take you on a tour. And Lucius says, well, we don't we don't need a tour. We, we'll know, we know he's going into Slytherin. And Shacklebolt says, nope, we're going to have an informed tour, or this is an informed decision. We're going to go on a tour. And they go down to the uh, Gryffindor, or they go up to the Gryffindor Tower, 
and it's homey, and Albus feels kind of at home there, and his dad shows him some stuff. G GF was here, carved in a in a banister, so George and Fred, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then they head over to Ravenclaw, mm-hmm. and Scorpius, well, Hermione, he, Albus figures Hermione's going to give the answer, but she's trying to get Rose to do it, and then Rose is trying to get Scorpius to do it, but he's not paying attention, so she does. Mm-hmm. Rose does give the answer. And they all sort of look around at all the various things, and um, Ron and Hermione and Ginny haven't been in here, so they find it interesting. And um, mm-hmm. Scorpius, um, Scorpius seems to be not really paying much attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rose is enjoying the books, and Albus notes the view from the windows, and it's, you know, kind of neat, but... Mm, not really his thing. Yeah. And then they head down to Slytherin, and Lucius is very expansive and starts telling all these wonderful stories about all the various things that they can do in Slytherin and how great it is. And um, Scorpius is just kind of nodding along. and But Albus notes he isn't really um, all that interested anyway. <laughs> yeah, the only one that's really paying attention is Rose, because she's probably thinking about it like a lesson. Mm-hmm. Albus kind of thinks it's neat that they're under the lake, but mm-hmm. um, otherwise it's kind of creepy, all the skulls and stuff. So. Yeah. And they start heading back. What, Trisha? I think people will get scared. Mm-hmm. Maybe the younger kids. You don't know what to expect. I'm just scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Um, that's one of the things that's in here that I don't know that they would really do in Slytherin. Because, I mean... I'm sure the Death Eaters like skulls, but I don't think that it's necessarily a Slytherin thing. I would expect there to be, you know, snake things all over the place, but right. not necessarily like, ooh, we're evil. <laughs> <laughs> How's that go, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the House of Evil. <laughs> evil. Yeah, and as they're heading out, Harry says, well, I think we should, you know, check out Hufflepuff too while we're here. And, you know, Ron and Hermione have been fighting this entire time. They're, they're arguing quietly with each other because Ron obviously wants Rose in Gryffindor and Hermione's probably saying it's her choice. Let her pick where she wants to be. And so they go into Hufflepuff and well, Hermione and Ron almost don't make it because all the house elves are excited to see them. I think it's sweet. They're kind of like little celebrities at the house. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the minute Albus walks in, he's like, oh, this is home. The other ones were neat, but this this is where I belong. Yeah. And, and uh, Cormac and Gas are sitting over by the fireplace, and they wave at them, and then Gas notices who it actually is, and he faints. <laughs> Poor Gas. He spends this entire time fainting. I know. He's a, he's a fainting Hufflepuff. <laughs> he's kind of like a fainting goat. <laughs> 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 Boo! Ah, thunk! <laughs> it's Harry Potter! Ah, thunk! I'm imagining him in, like, Potter Puppet Pals or something mm-hmm. that would just come into a scene and then, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, Kingsley, Kingsley's great. He sends them all in separate directions so that they can come up with their decision without knowing what the other ones are doing, so that each decision is their own, and they're not doing something to be with their friends. Mm-hmm. Albus says, I'm staying in Hufflepuff. And Dad said, I kind of figured. 
Yeah. And Albus is confused because, you know, he thought they wanted him to be in Gryffindor. And Harry kind of chuckles and Ginny says, well, we knew as soon as you walked in, you're more relaxed than we've ever seen you mm -hmm. in the Hufflepuff room. So obviously that's where you belong. And I imagine that, you know, if he was in Gryffindor, James and Fred would make his life hell. Heck. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sorry. No. Hell works too. Yeah, I mean... But the thing is, I mean, the thing is, this is, this is him being his own person. Mm -hmm. I think in so many ways, I, I mean, it sounds, sounds weird, but the thing is, sometimes when you get labeled to be the one thing all the time, it's, I mean, especially with the family, being with the family history, it's kind of nice about, like, you have your own personality. Like, I don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Maybe I'm not saying this right. He gets to be his own person in Hufflepuff. If he was in Gryffindor, he would be kind of part of the group, part of the crowd, and his brother and cousin would make his life hell. So. Yeah. Well, they probably wouldn't bug him quite as much because he was in Gryffindor, but then they'd find something else to bug him about, I suppose. Yeah, because, you know, when they're at home, the reason he had those extendable ears was whenever their Fred comes to visit at Grimald Place, he has to be able to hear what they're planning for him or he'd never be able to sleep. So they, they pick on him a lot. So they walk back in to Shacklebolt, Shacklebolt's office and Shacklebolt says, okay, what are your decisions? And Alba says, I'm a Hufflepuff. And Rose looks at her parents and says, I'm a Hufflepuff too. And they turn to look at Scorpius. And Scorpius sort of starts to cry and sob, and he says, If you want me in Slytherin, you say it. I won't fit there. I won't be happy there. But if that's what it takes to make you happy and for you to love me again, then I'll go. And he starts crying, and Lucius kind of looks at him in shock and embarrassment and a little bit of love. And Shacklebolt says, Lucius, do you have his answer? And we have a drawling voice from the doorway. If you don't mind, I'd like a word. And they turn to find... Draco! Did someone say Draco And Narcissa and... Was Astoria. Astoria. Okay, what is her... I was going to say, what is her... I knew her name until I went to say it, and then I couldn't remember. Miss okay. <laughs> Greengrass, the younger. And Scorpius jumps and runs to his dad, because, you know, he's been AWOL all year. <laughs> and I love Draco. Draco is Ryan. He's going to start a monologue here. <laughs> yeah. And he says, well, first of all, he tells his father that there's some things that he needs to know about before you undo everything we've been trying to accomplish. And he goes into this long and involved story. Of course, he, he blames it all on Harry and Hermione and Ron and everybody. Well, it's always, it's never a Malfoy's fault. No. Mm-hmm. Because with the Malfoys being exposed as being Death Eaters and not great people, all their investments and stuff were drying up, and they had to move it off out of the country to somewhere where people didn't care about Voldemort much, and it was just not working very well, and they figured, okay, what we have to do is rehabilitate the name. And how do we do that except by making our son um, a sympathetic figure to the public eye? Mm -hmm. So they're the ones who've been leaking all this stuff to the press the whole year. And yeah. about how he was shocking the Malfoy name by not being in Slytherin, and then he's going against their wishes and being on the Quidditch team and doing all this stuff that uh, the the plucky young hero Malfoy and, uh, and making and making Lucius not telling him about it, making him the evil one. 
Right, which he loves, so that's okay with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it... And why are you not telling me any of this? Well, we needed a bad guy, and you're really good at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I am. not even me. And so Astoria was the first to re- recognize the opportunity that if Scorpius could make friends with the Potter and Weasley crew then maybe our name could come back. And it worked better than they thought it ever would. And, of course, now Scorpius is afraid that they're not going to like him anymore because we find out that this, they've been manipulated this whole time. So he's looking at them with, you know, this agonized eyes, and Rose sticks her tongue out at him, and Albus rolls his eyes at him, and then he knows that all is well. I love Ron. That was the most heartwarming. Then why do I feel like I need a hot shower? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Ron. laughs> yeah. yeah. And so. uh, Lucius says, well, at least Hufflepuff's colors do include black because Malfoys don't do yellow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, mean, I can see. If you're, you know, that pale, um, wearing yellow would not do good things for you. <laughs> no. no. Sallow. Sallow, sallow. Not- he turns and Shacklebolt says, so what does all this mean? And Draco looks at his father and he says, well, father, what does it mean? And Lucius gets a sly smile on his face and says, I was going to ask my son if Hufflepuff colors still include black. Yeah, we've already said that because he's going to let him be in Hufflepuff. Yay! And then they say, well, I didn't think the hat could be tampered with. And Shacklebolt says, he can't. He sorted you correctly, but you had to figure that out on your own, or else it would have haunted you for the entire seven years of your schooling. And so, Mr. Shelkebold, he's got a little of the slyness, too. He could be a Malfoy if he wanted. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was in Slytherin, who knows? Mm-hmm. I just love it. Snape Portuguese. <laughs> and then Hermione turns around and shoots a spell into the corner, and Nita Skeeter, who's under a disillusionment charm, is visible and stunned, and her quill falls to the ground. And she says, Gee, Draco, I thought you were waxing a little too poetical. You did this all for her benefit. So Draco, you know, he's... He's a Slytherin. He, yeah, he's not a good guy. He's much as you want him to be. He's just not. And... How we got Scorpius out of him, I'll never understand, but Scorpius is a good guy. Does he get you wrong, my friend? Mm-hmm. Well, they've been doing their best to raise him as uh, against their um, usual way as possible, mm-hmm. you know, letting him read whatever he wanted and speak his mind and, Merlin forbid, even be as brave as possible. Oh, <laughs> shudder. <laughs> yeah. So now we have a Quidditch game to go to, but... Scorpius doesn't have a broom because Farrell put illegal charms on the broom that he gave him. And Draco says, well, that's fine. We'll just go get Scorpius's broom. And, of course, Lucius says, well, I sent it to Gringotts. It's in the vault. And it'll take three hours of paperwork to get it out, which is crazy. Well, you know what? They put a little bit more of um, security on Gringotts because maybe it's some kind of, like, uh, dragon flew out of there one time. Oh, well, yeah, I suppose that could be. And yeah. and yeah, they probably you know keep those brooms under lock and key so nobody can escape that way either. And Malfoy's an old old boss. Yeah, it takes a, you know an hour just to get down there, and they only have thirty minutes, so that's not going to work. And so Harry says, "Well, just go down to the Quidditch supply place and get one." 
And Draco says, I can't. I don't have any money. I'm as poor as a Weasley right now. And Ron goes, <coughs> poor as a Weasley used to be. We're the top five richest people in the wizarding world right now, Malfoy. Don't you remember? Don't you read? And Draco's <laughs> like, nope, don't read. That's what I'd have my son for. But um, he he does apologize. And he can't afford a broom. And so... Poor Scorpius is starting to look a little sad, and Albus has an idea. And he says, Dad, can I ask you for a huge favor? And we change scenes, and Scorpius is looking at the broom in his hand, and he's just amazed, and he says, I can't ever repay you for this. And Albus says, ah, just do me a favor. He says, anything. Now, when you fly by James for the snitch, you tell him Albus said hello. (laughs) And Scorpius says, I can do that. And we change chapters again. Trisha, are you talking to us or Ulrich? I'm talking to myself. You're talking to yourself, okay. Because <laughs> you're very, very low, and we couldn't quite hear it. I was saying itchy, itchy, itchy. Yeah, I'm itchy now, too. I had to take my... I've been wearing my LeakyCon bracelet, and I have a bite underneath on my arm right where it rests, and so I had to take it off this morning. And this year, instead of doing birthdays at work, they're doing kind of employee of the month and they're just drawing names out of a hat and my name happened to come out first. So there's little bags and people can put little notes or whatever in and somebody dropped a yellow and black friendship bracelet in there for me this morning. So I replaced my leaky bracelet with that, but then I got it all wet. So I had to take that off too, but my mosquito bites starting to itch on my wrist. So I'm itchy, itchy scratching too. Not good. But we are on chapter 26, Irreplaceable. Oops, I'm, I'm on the wrong chapter. Mm, go back one. It's uh, chapter 27, Irreplaceable. Yeah, I was on 28. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it says chapter 26 on the in in the chapter itself. Oh, yes, Uh-oh. you're right. That's one of the fanfic weirdness thingies, because there's a prologue. Ah, okay. Well, now that we're all confused. The team is looking bummed, because Shacklebolt has come in and told them, what's going on, and they feel like they can't really play, and everything that they've done up until this point is not good because Farrell was their head of house, and he's kind of... He's been messing with Quidditch the whole yeah. time, so they, they can't prove that they would have won the right way. Mm-hmm. So they, they've just leveled the playing field, and everybody now has the same amount of Quidditch points, and if they were... Um, no, I guess it's the, the same amount of house points. So they will win and get the Quidditch Cup if they win the game, but they won't get points for it. Mm-hmm. They won't get extra points. And the uh, keeper is very depressed because he was Farrell's kind of pet project, and he feels that everything he's done hasn't been good enough, and it's tainted, and we can't be true Hufflepuffs if it's tainted, and... Scorpius says, are you saying that I didn't catch those snitches with my bare hands and that I didn't try and do my best? I mean, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. But, you know, how can we go up against the Skybolt? And Draco holds up his broom. Dun, 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 dun. And he has Harry's old Nimbus. Did I see Nimbus? I meant Firebolt. And he's like, whoa. And I, I love this part because they're all kind of looking around and, you know, 
trying to figure this out. And Diana says to Roderick, you, you've got to do this. We can't. We have a chance, but we can't do it without you. And he says, I just want to do what's right. And there's a hesitant voice at the back of the group. And it says, if the time should ever come, came a hesitant voice with an almost indecipherable accent. They suddenly realized it was Valencia. You have to make a choice, she continued, looking for, at Violet for help. Violet smiles and picks it up. Between what is right and what is easy. Remember a boy, Albus continued, who was good, came from Scorpius. And kind, was said by Diana. Cornelius turned to Roderick, and they met each other's eyes. And brave, he finished, and Roderick grinned. Remember Cedric Diggory. And they stick their hands in, and they say, For Cedric! And out they go, because they are, yeah, Hufflepuffs. Hufflepuffs. Hufflepuffs! And we're all Hufflepuffs, and it just makes me so happy. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? <laughs> Although I have to say, I think that was the movie speech, not the book speech. So oh, probably. Slightly. No! It's oh, because well. the author said so, we're going to stick with it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and the crowd goes nuts and Yay! And Miss Weasley's like, Whoa well, my, the crowd is very worked up and Flint is like, Malfoy has a firebolt and he's like leaning out the the thing with his omnioculars trying to see it and we've got creature in the stands going, Go young master Albus, beat young master James I know. Can you just hear, I can just hear him screeching for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. I just love it. It's a little frog voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't do yeah. that very well, did I? But I would start coughing if I tried. So somebody else can yeah. do it. Because yeah. James was sort of looking around confused because there aren't any firebolts anymore. What's going on? And then he realizes, ah, creatures brought Harry's. And he sort of looks at Albus and they kind of give a little nod to each other and mm-hmm. challenge accepted. Yep. <laughs> And I love Fred. The nicknames. Well, like yeah, the nicknames. nicknames. Yes. James Red Rocket Potter versus Scorpius Madman Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Diana, she's always squeezing that ball, so she's got this really firm grip, and she goes out to shake hands with Fred, and Fred doesn't want to get his hand smashed, so he very gallantly kisses the back of her hand. And she's all flustered, and Crumb's just like, ugh. <laughs> I thought that was a great moment. Mm-hmm. And they're off! Yeah, and Albus has a little moment where he looks around, and he kind of realizes, there are the Gryffindors over there, and they're uh, red and gold, and here are all the Hufflepuffs in um, black. black with their... Um, with uh, their violent beaters with the skull makeup and uh, Scorpius has his gloves and everybody else is kind of glowering because all their work has been taken away and like, oh, well, I guess we're the bad guys today. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, bad guys. Let's do it. And there's the teams and, of course, Miss Weasley is... uh, She's awful. Oh, she's off topic more than we are. Wow! Yeah, there's an amazing change of direction by Yates. He's talented and cute, ladies, and from what I hear, single. Miss Weasley, sorry, Professor, but this is valuable information for some people. Not me, I'm taken. (laughs) (laughs) But somebody else might want to know. (laughs) This is Quidditch, not matchmaking. matchmaking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. 
Day out of Delaney, Discord for Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff 10, Gryffindor 0. So far. Oh, and Molly scores. Well, maybe Molly, but it, it might actually be Lucy, because I can't really tell anymore, because you used to be able to tell from their freckles, but now they're wearing concealer. And <laughs> Miss Weasley! Okay, Hufflepuff 30, Gryffindor 10, and they're, you know, going, and Albus takes his shot, and of course, Albus, you know, he's the... The force that he is because he's got such a strong throw that they're afraid of him. And the Gryffindor Keeper has put extra padding on. And so he can take the blows and it doesn't hurt. Just sort of bounces off. Yeah. And so now they don't know what to do because their secret weapon has been nullified. And pretty soon it's starting to show. It's Hufflepuff 40, Gryffindor 100. And Diana calls for timeout. And they go down, and she says, are there any ideas? And Courtney says, well, Scorpius could catch the snitch. And, of course, they've tried, or James has tried twice, but uh, Scorpius has cut him off both times, which is good. And Grayson... Yeah, they figure out he has so much padding on that Mm -hmm. he can't move as well as he can. Right. So they decide... Go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying, he's stiff. He's he's, he's not going to be able to move. Mm -hmm. So they... Go back up into the air, and the two girls, I think it's the two girls, fly. Diana, no, it's Diana and Cornelius dive at Grayson Wood, and then Albus is behind them, and then suddenly they flip the quaffle over Courtney's shoulder, and Albus, they dive left, and Albus tosses it to the right, and he scores. Because Grayson can't, he doesn't have the maneuverability that he had before. And Fred goes over to try to talk to him, but there's nothing they can do. And so Hufflepuff starts scoring. And pretty soon it's Hufflepuff 100, Gryffindor 150. They have a chance. And then disaster strikes for Hufflepuff. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun. dun. <laughs> James does this move where you head in the opposite direction from where you've seen the snitch so that um, the other seeker won't notice. and then kind of get behind the other seeker into their blind spot and head back towards where the snitch actually is. And Scorpius doesn't catch him doing that, so now James is heading after the snitch and he's got a really big head start. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they've said about the Skybolt is it's unmatched as far as speed goes, Mm -hmm. and there's no way that he can catch up, but he's going to try anyway. You're able to move easier with it, yeah. Well, that and, and it has this great diving capacity. Mm-hmm. So it says that there, it was too much to overcome for a sane person, but Scorpius doesn't hesitate. He kicks the fireball over into a steep dive, too steep from Alvis's point of view. The crowds, too, as there's a collective gasp. And Victoria's like, no, stop him, Professor. He's going to kill himself. And he just flies like crazy. Mm-hmm. And Alvis is like, I think Mad Ma- Madman Milefoy nickname's going to stick. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and he's, pull, he's pulling off, and it, the velocity of it, and just the sheer force of pu- pulling something up like that at that speed, you know something something's going to go wrong. Something's going to give. Yeah, something's going to give. And then there was a crack, the room even out, and the blast across the pitch after James. Albus only had time to realize part of what was actually closing the distance when it came together. Mm-hmm. And who ends up with the snitch? Scorpius. Yep, Scorpius does. Yep. Hufflepuff, 250, Gryffindor, 150. And everybody's celebrating, and then, and, and Albus goes to see where his friend is, and he sees that he slumped over, 
and he's crying, and James is consoling him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he just, and this is when he realizes it and broke it. Mm-hmm. And Victor pretty much confirms, he goes, yep, that will never fly again. And, and Scorpius is crushed. Tell your dad I'm so sorry it broke. I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. And he just thinks that Harry's going to just, Tell him. yeah, that's pretty much it. And then here comes Harry. And Albus is worried about it because it was his idea for mm-hmm. him to loan the broom and all. And Harry just comes over and says, this is the only broom that could have possibly pulled out of that dive. And no one will ever forget how good firebolts are now. And you've done more with this broom in one day than I have in the past 10 years. So. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about this was that he got down on one knee so that he was eye level with Scorpius when he talked to him. And I just mm-hmm. really appreciated that. Yeah. So. So everybody cheers and celebrates. Yay. Even the Gryffindors. Even the Gryffindors, because it was such a close game. Yeah. And Albus goes over to his dad and says, you know, thanks for saying that. I know it still must be hurt hurt to lose this broom. And Harry says, well, I thought I lost it years ago when they were flying from the the Seven Potters thing. Mm -hmm. And I got it back, and then I had to hang it up again because I'm not making use of a racing broom most of the time. And just being able to watch it put to use like that again is enough for him. So mm-hmm. It's satisfying. You just kind of feel like, oh, okay, that's what it's there for. I mean, it's just like anything. I mean, you say you have a sports car, you can keep it in a garage the whole entire time because you want to make it be collectible and stuff like that. But the thing is, it's there to be ran. It's mm-hmm. like anything else. It's there to be run. I mean, yeah, it, it's kind of, I mean, it's a, it's a sad thing. It's just... I don't know how else to describe it. That's what it's used for. That's what you want to use it for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was so spectacular that it just, it was satisfying. Even if it's broken and even if it'll never fly again, it went out with a bang. And that was the way that he wanted it to go out, you know, yeah. better that way than, you know, beaten to heck by the whomping willow tree or whatever. Yeah. That's and what happened to his poor Nimbus. Just let them maybe let the spells fade away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of my mom tells a story sometimes about how they used to, um, you know, there there would be the good china that they had that sat in the cupboard and never got used. And they finally decided just to start every now and then just having meals on it, regardless whether it was a big special meal or not, because it, it needs to, you need to put things to some use. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, mean, no, there's no point in, you know, keeping your grandmother's quilt and just putting it in a, a drawer. If you're not going to use it as a quilt and keep warm with it, then what's the point of having it? Right. You know? It's like you buy something for a special occasion. Well, you know what? Every day is on a special occasion. You might as well just wear it. Right. Unless you want to wear it on your day of your funeral. You know what? It's not so special anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. It was one of the things we were talking about with the, my grandmother's funeral. Is, you know, what do you do? Do you dress her up so it's nice for the people looking at the funeral or whatever? Or do you put them in sort of their general everyday clothes because that's what they would wear and it's going in the ground or in the furnace mm-hmm. or whatever? Do you want to take the really nice dress and put it in the furnace? Or <laughs> well, yeah, in that when my great grandmother um, passed away, my my mom was really really close with her, and so we had gone down and the funeral home was not very good that that time. 
And they, they wouldn't let mom in to say goodbye. They wouldn't let her in to see the body. They were just obnoxious about it. And then when it came time to dress her, they said, well, you need a nightgown for her. And mom said, well, we'll go get one. And they said, well, we have one in this store you can buy. And mom looked at it and she said, this is small. And they're like, well, it doesn't matter. And mom said, well, my grandmother would need a, a large. And they said, well, we'll just cut it down the back. It doesn't matter. And my mom was just livid with them that they were treating her, you know, they, they weren't treating my grandmother with respect. They weren't treating my mom with respect. And she just, she was so upset at that time with these people. And since then, we've worked with them um, for other family members, and it's gotten better. But whatever it was, I think that the person that was like that, they got rid of pretty quick because there was no uh, bedside manner there at all. Mm-hmm. Well, I re- yeah. I re- I and that, that is a different situation than some of these mm-hmm. things. Like In this case, we did end up, I think, they had some of the things that uh, Grandma had most recently bought and ended up using that because that was what my aunt wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really at this point, it's more for Family. the living people than for the oh. person who's died. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm oh. pretty sure my grandma would have said, yeah, sure, throw me in the furnace in a burlap sack because mm-hmm. that's how my grandma was. Right. But, you know, yeah. for my aunt, it was more important that she be, you know, well turned out and all of that because... Most of the time in her life, she was. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I remember, yeah. When my grandmother died, my mom first thing my mom said to them, she goes, "Gladys needs shoes. You need to put her tennis shoes on her." They were that's the first thing I ever heard. My mom's like, she always my when we went through my grandmother's stuff, she always kept her shoes underneath underneath the bed. We found twenty pairs of Reeboks. Wow. <laughs> 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 she never got her. So my mom's like, we're putting shoes on her. <laughs> well, yeah. Listen, my, my grandfather loved to play cards and he liked to bet the ponies. So in his suit pocket and, and one side he had a deck of cards and on the other side he had racing forms. <laughs> mm. Nice. Yeah. I thought I'm that gonna was pretty my, cool. I'm going to put all my um, running shirts on. You, all of them? Oh, I love them. Are you going to put them on right before you die so they're all there? Or are oh, you going to no, ha- put be, that in the no, will? No, no. I'm going to put it in my will that I'm going to be buried with all my running shirts. You're going to look like a kid out in the snowsuit or something. Yeah, I was going to say you're going to be like the Quidditch guy on, that we were just talking about that couldn't move because he had so much padding on. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Okay, this is kind of morbid here. Okay, let's go <laughs> yes. to some So they're heading back to the cellar. Well, before we do that, though, we have to go to Draco, who's not so happy, because he comes over and he tells Harry, I'll find a replacement broom, Potter, you have my word. And Harry turns to him and says, this is the biggest thing that separates us. I know that some things are irreplaceable. And they walk away. And then they go to the cellar. Go ahead. And they find something interesting there. They do. There's, There's a, a skylight. Yeah, and I'm so excited because this is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought of you as soon as I read that. I was like, did I pick? I'm like, I predicted this. I'm not like Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I go, I kind of read this. Oh, sorry. And I'm like, I, I, I'm like, I've been, been, oh, God. You're no. vindicated. Thank you. I couldn't say that damn word. 
Albus is like, this is impossible. There's castle all above us, but here's, you know, sunlight coming through, and it's really nice. And it's Professor Bast and Professor Pattel are there having tea. And she, Professor Bast says, sorry I missed the match, but I've been working on this, because, you know, it's the same charms as they have in the Great Hall. And I've always felt we could use a window somehow, but this way it won't cause temperature changes or leak or draft or anything, so. Yeah. And Roderick's like, that's really cool, but who gave you the right to make a change like that? And she says, well, I guess the head of house is allowed to redecorate, wouldn't you say? And they're all happy because she's the new head of house. Yay! The kitty cat! And she actually cares about most of them mm-hmm. and was from Hufflepuff and all of that. And uh, So Roderick just takes the Quidditch cup over and sets it right beside Cedric's plaque. Yeah. And they have a party. And Albus, and, and throughout all of these chapters, and we've never really said it, 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 there's always a line that says, and this is bad, and this is bad. And the end of this chapter is, now this is good. <laughs> yep. It's like the Star Wars thing. I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> I got a really bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. Never tell me the odds. <laughs> And on to chapter 28, Revelations. Mm -hmm. Time passes, because it's really kind of weird being the hero. Mm. (laughs) Albus kind of uh, feels more understanding for Harry as this is going on. Yeah. And we have an owl delivery that actually, uh, the owl overshoots and ends up next to Cormac and Gaff. And so, oh, and and the other thing that we forgot to mention was right before Albus went to uh, get his invisibility cloak and and went to uh, ultimately face Professor Farrell, the coin in his pocket disappeared because that's important. Mm-hmm. So I thought at the time it meant that. He'd, you know, fulfilled his contract by figuring out it was feral. But yeah, as it turns out, thinking. there's something else that comes up here. Mm-hmm. So the gas and Cormac look at the headlines and they, Cormac sprays juice all over Summer again. Poor Summer. She's moved far enough away from Alvis that she won't get sprayed. So this time Cormac nails her. And mm-hmm. she's just not helpful. Yes. Um, and her friend Ivy is kind of amused. Mm-hmm. And they, Ivy's kind of wishing that she was the one that did it. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think that Ivy is uh, rethinking this friendship thing. But Cormac hands, slides the paper to Rose. He doesn't talk to her because, you know, Rose is mean in the morning and you don't talk to Rose until she's had her three cups of coffee. So he just kind of shoves it her direction and gets out of the line of fire. And she takes a, a look at it and lets out a girlish yip and shoves it at Albus and Scorpius. And there's a note on it and it says, Dear Scorpius, this past difficult year has finally come to fruit. I hope you can begin to understand my reasons. In so doing, maybe start to forgive me for what you endured. All my love, Father. And while I was listening to this with the text reader, as it was getting to the end, it was like, all my love. And I said, Dad! And it said, Father. And I was like, yeah, I suppose with Draco, it would be more Father than Dad. Mm-hmm. And there's a headline. New star dives from the heavens at Hogwarts, and it's mm-hmm. got this huge picture of Scorpius's dive right next to it, and uh, it's pr- it's a pretty dramatic picture. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nietzsche Skeeter has put out another article about Madman Malfoy mm-hmm. and on his broom, and 
spectacular death-defying maneuvers, and it's um, we'll have to keep an eye on the tenacious trio, yes. uh, Potter, Weasley, and Malfoy. Yeah, and poor Scorpius is slack-jawed, and then he uh, there's another one wrapped up in it, and he's also in the uh, Gringotts Journal where he's flying an antique firebolt. And I realized that um, earlier when I was talking about this, I called it the Nimbus, not the firebolt. So I stand corrected to myself here. Yeah, I didn't even notice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and there's in that one, there's a paragraph circled, which is about the Malfoy Unlimited stock um, having a bit of a recovery and the acquired Cadmus Apothecaries. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, CEO Draco Malfoy is now the toast of the wizard business world. Oh, it looks like the Malfoy name is back near the top. And Scorpius kind of goes blank for a second, and then he just laughs. (laughs) Yeah. One year of pain, frustration, and sadness and loneliness come seeping out in a gasping, wheezing laugh, and he puts his hands in his arms to muffle it. And finally he looks up at him and he says, they say, are you feeling better? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) Are you planning on explaining to the rest of us? Mm -hmm. Uh, It might be a Malfoy thing. Try anyway. (laughs) Yeah. It all snapped in pace for me. I hadn't really had time to wrap my brain about it. It all became crystal clear. And at about that point, it comes clear for Albus, too. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. That speech you made to your grandfather about loving me, and I'll be a Slytherin if that makes you love me. You made all that up, didn't you? And Scorpius like, well, yeah. <laughs> you manipulated your grandfather. Maybe you are a Slytherin. And they've decided that they're going to make the Hufflepuff house the manipulative house now. Mm-hmm. Now, he says... he. He manipulated him because um, he was being loyal to his house. That was it. So it was a Malfoy method, but it was Hufflepuff reasons. <laughs> Yay, Hufflepuff! Yeah, there you go. He says, well, and Albus says, uh, this house is really starting to go downhill. Hufflepuff Malfoys, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> the next Dark Lord couldn't be from Hufflepuff, could it? What do you think? You want to be a minion? Mm, I don't know. How's your dental plan? <laughs> <laughs> it's in the official handbook, Dark Lord for Dummies. Yeah. <laughs> they start laughing. So everybody thinks they're just absolutely nuts because three of them are just over there laughing their heads off. But they're, they're yeah, doing but, all right. Uh, and then there's studying for finals. Mm-hmm. And everything is... The Gryffindors and Hufflepuffs are really going at it this year. They're completely even almost all through the week. Yeah. And the, there's a new da- data teacher, but nobody will tell them who it is. And when they get there, it's, hello, class, my name is Harry Potter. And everyone's bunk. That's him, bunk. <laughs> Poor gas. <laughs> so bad for him. I know. It's his idol, and he just can't even, you know... He, he can meet him, and he just can't stay awake long enough to do it. He just passes out every time. But finally, by uh, the end of class, he, he gets up enough courage to actually shake his hands. So there you go. Now, he doesn't pass out this time. He just mm-hmm. feels a bit woozy. He's woozy, yeah. And they, uh, Harry just, you know, sits on the desk and asks questions about how they did things with Farrell and goes through the chapters in the textbook and, and just pretty cool, really. Mm-hmm. And Elvis is kind of embarrassed, but uh, oh well. Got to learn to live with these things. Mm-hmm. And, and then he says there isn't going to be a defense final, and everybody's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Except for Rose and Scorpius. No test. <laughs> oh, yeah, Scorpius and Rose are, oh, mm-hmm. darn. 
sure I was going to get an O on that. And Harry talks to Albus about the professor, and he says, you know, between the one that you fought and the one that you that taught you, how big of a gap would you say there was? And Albus isn't quite sure how to answer it. And Harry says, well, what does your gut tell you? And then Albus realizes that he's serious and he wants to really know. And he, so they talk about it and... You know, he had all these trophies, and but then he came out here and he was completely boring. Mm-hmm. And he did do really well in Dueling Club, um, but that was... It was like he was um, he was mostly teaching in the dueling club, and not in class. Mm-hmm. So you you gotta think maybe that what he was sending out there to the class was more of the golem, not anything else. If the golem couldn't do magic per se, maybe mm-hmm. he was just teaching in the class. That's that true. could be why they were just reading from the book in the class because they weren't doing any magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Good catch, Trisha. Well, thank you. <laughs> Unfortunately, Umbridge was not a golem, but no. you know. But now no, she's she a plant. A... <laughs> yes, she is a plant now, and also an Azkaban. So, mm-hmm. so the uh, the Gryffindor, the Hufflepuffs are neck and neck, and finally, it's almost down to the last day. And the Hufflepuffs are ahead, and they're so excited. They're going to win the House Cup for the first time. And then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of the gems are gone. And they're looking around at each other like, who did it? Who did it? And one of the first years, whose name? Ah, Alan Baldwin. Nope. No, it was Rick. It was Rick. Rick Rick was cheating off of... The sullen one who didn't really want to be sorted into Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be a Gryffindor. And the two Gryffindor bullies had kind of taken him under their wing, and they were hanging out with him and stuff like that. And it turns out that they did it just so they could get him to cheat and lose house points. Yeah. And that... And Albus is just... Incensed. He gets mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And he goes up after Fred and James and says... What is this? Is this what it means to be Gryffindor now? You have to cheat. James is like, what are you talking about? We, we're winning. What's wrong with that? And, but they he, they argue back and forth for a bit, and Albus oh. finally manages to explain what happened. And James and Fred are also mad, because that's not the way to do it. Well, but first they get into a fisticuffs. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, James doesn't really understand what, what's going on. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting there, poke, 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 mm-hmm. poke, poke. I mean, he knows what will incense Albus. Yep. And and, and vice versa. And so it just does yeah. what it does. And that's why he just totally just lays him out pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until James rolls him underneath him. And then Albus gets ready to get beaten. And Fred pulls James off and says, wait a minute. Let's find out what he's talking about because I don't like the sounds of this so far. And then they get the story. And James is like, are you sure? Are you sure about this? And Scorpius says, they're not making a secret of it. I heard him bragging about it earlier. And now James and Fred are incensed as well. And they're... Mm -hmm. It's time for a little Weasley payback. Mm -hmm. We need a couple of first-year Gryffindors and two first-year Gryffindors. Whoa, Trisha. (laughs) Two first-year Gryffindors materialize out of the woodwork and say, what do you need us to do, sirs? And then James tells the rest of the Hufflepuffs that they need to go in because they need to uh, have deniability. And so you need to go to lunch so you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
And Shacklebolt gets up and says, Before I make my end-of-the-year speech, I need to make an announcement on the behalf of Madame Pumphrey. Any student caught solidifying boobotuber pus into a bar of soap or into a bar and replacing another student's soap will be severely punished. She does not like missing the feast to help students regrow skin. And Rose and Scorpius exchange a look that tells Alvis exactly what he needs to know about boobotuber pus. Ooh, yeah, that sounds painful. And the, the two Gryffindor bullies are not there mm. at the moment. Nope. Hmm, wonder where they are. <laughs> and Neville and James and Fred sort of exchange a significant look. So Neville's a little in on... Glance. Yeah, they're a little in on this, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he probably... I mean, they probably... Told. I mean, isn't um, Neville the... Head of house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neville's head of Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. So they probably told him that they dishonored. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He knows. I think Shacklebolt knows, too, and they're, that's why they're not punishing, but they're making sure that nobody else does it, because it's an awful, awful thing. Mm-hmm. And they've decided that since the Quidditch stuff was tampered with and house points and stuff, that they wanted to be able to give something to a house that really deserved it. So they decided that they were going to take... They were going to find out which house had the most improvement. And so it was based, it couldn't be based on the first years because they couldn't show improvement, but it, on all the other ones. And it turned out that Hufflepuff had made remarkable achievements throughout the year. So, An average 13% up. Mm-hmm, yeah, over the next highest house, which was six. So that was pretty good. And so he says, congratulations, Hufflepuff. And, and the staff stands up and turns all of the scarlet and yellow colors, scarlet and gold, into Hufflepuff colors. And Hufflepuff is one. Yay! Yay! And Albus and James' eyes meet, and James says, next year. And Albus says, bring it. Yeah. And uh, most of the hall is cheering. Some of the Hufflepuffs are just sort of stunned, so they mm-hmm. aren't cheering. And some of the Slytherins are sort of doing the golf clap thing. Yeah. Yes. But they're excited it wasn't Gryffindor that won, so they're they're a little happier. Right. Yeah. And on to chapter 29, which is the last chapter. Mm-hmm. As it ends, so it begins. And we have Albus waking up in the common room in front of a fireplace. And he's wondering how he got there, because when he went to bed, he was in his own bed. And a soft female voice says, we have business, you and I. And Albus jumps up and holds the blanket up to his chin like a shield. And it's Cormac's mom. Cormac's mom. Yeah. And he didn't even realize. She's like, oh, you have important business, you and I. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it was Professor Farrell. And he goes, I know. I didn't hear it from you. We had agreed, didn't you? And you didn't keep it. And I mean, I would probably, I'd probably be scared. I mean, Oh, he's probably, scared. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she wants to know, where's the coin? And Albus is like, I don't know, it disappeared. Corbett says, right here, mother. And he said, and she says, why did you take on his onus? That was a foolish thing to do. And he said, well, he didn't know what you were asking, and he didn't know the penalty, but I do. And she says, did you send me the message through the rainbow? And he nods. So Cormac was the one that let her know, and so he's gotten out of it. Well, most likely he probably didn't know how to contact her either. Well, I think you contact through the the coin, but I don't know that Albus understood that. 
Yeah, he might have worked it out, but mm -hmm. by the time he knew who it was, the coin had gone. So yeah, and she turns to Albus and he she says, "My son risked his life for you. Are you worth it?" And Albus says, "No, I'm not." And that gives her really a respect for him because most people would say, "Well, yeah, yeah." And so she gives him a little kiss on the cheek and says, "You have." The look of the the Irish now on your uh, the weak folk, the blessings of the wee folk on your cheek, and then she whispers something in his ear, but he can't remember what it was. Because he goes back to sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one anyway. bit of knowledge that he'll she'll he'll have when it's necessary, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then he wakes back up in his own bed and he looks over at Cormac's bunk and the small boy's waiting there for him. But now it's not a coin anymore. Now it's a pendant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a red. And Albus has the coin back. It's on a necklace around his neck. Mm -hmm. It's more of a, I would say, now it's more like a good luck charm, not mm -hmm. like a kind of thing like, yeah, I did it. I had a debt to to a leprechaun, and I paid it, and so this is what I get. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's time to pack up and go, and and Kubi will go into his carrying case. And, Albus has given Scorpius a bedtime. Come on, Scorpius, you can do this. You, you're the the king of Quidditch. You can't get this small cat into its carrying cage. And Scorpius is like, if you think you can do better than me, you do it. And Albus bows down and says, your carriage awaits. And Kubi just kind of wanders, walks in, and he says, you've just got to treat him like royalty. Mm -hmm. He's Kublai Khan. Yep, he's a con. And they head out, and they go through the kitchen, and they say goodbye to all the house elves, and it's really cute. And Albus is a little homesick as they're heading out. Mm -hmm. and, they, and they go sit down by Rose, who is, as usual, non-coherent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Fred and James whap him on the back of the head as they walk by. So. Mm -hmm. And everything's back to normal. Uh -huh. And as they get ready to leave, Growltooth says, Mr. Potter, I need a word with you. Do you have my boon? And Albus remembers what Cormac's mom said, and he calls over to Gas. He says, come here, Gas. Will you tell Grouchy what your last name is? And Gas says, my name is Gasper Boone. And that goblin shakes his hand, and he's looking at him, and Albus says, you told me you ju I just owed you a boon, and I would know what it is. Gas is a boon, so that's it. We're even. And Growltooth kind of narrows his eyes at him and says, I'm not sure about this. And Albus talks about how all of us, ever since Growltooth came, the luggage that comes off the train that used to come off the train with no trouble now has to be inspected. And I wonder who called in that anonymous tip that something went missing, because it was obviously Growltooth that did it. And so now they have this understanding. Mm -hmm. But Growltooth has a warning for him as well. Beware of the leprechauns, Albus. We don't deal with them. They f they play for keepsies every time. So even the goblins are leery of the leprechauns. Mm -hmm. So there's something going to go on there mm -hmm. in the next one. And something we missed a couple chapters ago was Liam coming up to Albus and saying, so you're the one. And Albus is like, one what? Mm -hmm. And then he just walks off. <laughs> So, yeah. something's going on with that, too. Yeah, I'm going to have to reread the second one to find out. I I remember how that one ends, but that's all I remember. I don't remember most of the rest of it. They uh, have the train ride back, and everybody's trying to get into their compartment because they want to be with Scorpius because, you know, he's the... He's the, the cool key. one. Yep, he's the cool one. But, so they turn everybody away except for Gas and McCormick. Cormac, mm. not McCormick. Well, I guess it is Mac, because mom calls him Mac. 
And they get to the platform, and this little Lily missile comes and attacks Albus, and she's talking a mile a minute, and then she goes and attacks James. And Yeah, James is in the middle of a conversation and kind of gets cut off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no wonder, no wonder, um, how Creature doesn't like. Yeah, her, her, her mm. hugs. Yeah. Creature is an elf, not a teddy bear. Mm. <laughs> Poor creature. And as they're getting ready to leave, Scorpius calls and says, Hey, would you send me an owl? And Albus says, Well, yeah, you're going to visit if it's all right with your parents. And yeah, couldn't, you, wouldn't you just like to be a fly on the wall just to see that mm-hmm. kind of like their reaction? Especially Ron. Ron be like, What? Yeah. But even Hermione's like, And he can come visit at our house too, right, Ron? And Ron's like, Yeah, I guess. <laughs> mm hmm. He nods like, sheepishly. Oh. And he's like, oh. yeah. And they're heading off away, here. and James says, well, I guess Lily will have to be the Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> and then he yelps because she pinches him. And they're like, well, don't pick on her, James. If you don't pick on her, then you won't have to worry about her. And mm-hmm. you got to be careful of Lily. She doesn't play fair. Yeah. She might be the Slytherin then. Mm-hmm. Never know. And they walk out to the car as they walked into the station months before as a fam. The end. The end. What there the is actually... <laughs> we will find out later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> I know, I saw your post, and at that point I couldn't remember how it ended. I'm like, I'll let you know when I finish. And then I never found out, so I didn't let you know, because I didn't know. Because when you said that, when, when you finished, I'm thinking to myself, so I went back and just tried to redo the last, po- the scene, the last post, and I'm like, wait, okay, there's nothing in here other than, like, recapping or mm-hmm. question and answer kind of stuff. I'm like, well, that's not going to tell me anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's in the second story. Has, um, has put a, a little bit of a Q&A thing about just mm-hmm. how this story came to be um, in the final chapter on fanfiction.net. Uh, by the way, I discovered as I was looking through, there actually wasn't a prologue. All the chapter numbers should have matched, but mm-hmm. um, for some reason, the in-chapter marking for chapter 27 still said 26, so there are two chapter 26s. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well. That and makes sense. So, yes, he talks about, you know, where the idea came from and uh, some, gives some recommendations for books on writing and a few bits of information that people might be interested in for how to write and um, who his favorite authors are and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you enjoyed this, do read the sequel because it's very good as well. There's lots going on. The leprechauns will make another appearance. There, like we said earlier, there's a little merm people going on and i do think you find out what liam is in the second one i hope i don't remember for trisha's sake i hope so if not trisha you can send him a message and ask you can you can send him a message tell him we're podcasting on his story and you have to know who liam is (laughs) or what he is Mm -hmm. yeah so i'm trying to remember we talked about this what is it called albus potter and the Black Badger Society. Black Badger Society, that was it. There is also some art, apparently, for the story. Mm. We might be able to put up in our show notes or something like that. Someone has made a banner for it, assuming it still exists. Oh, yeah, here it is. So they, put, they put together the actors from the 
the epilogue. I think mm-hmm. a couple of them, and I think the I think they may have picked someone else to be Albus, or it's a different picture of him or something. But, uh, somebody made a banner for it, and looks like there's a couple of other bits of fan art as well. Cool. And a book trailer. This one's fun. It's um in the I don't know who is it. Oh, the Powerpuff style mm. with the giant eyes. <laughs> oh, yes, we can put those in our um, show notes, perhaps, so you can see them, or you can always find them where I did, which is the author page on fanfiction.net. Let's see, Albus Potter in the year. Ah, oh, I see. The Badger Puffs. Oh, it says I'm not allowed to go here. Yeah. It's, no, you just have to keep clicking. It's an unsafe Oh. Yeah, external I got it. link. It just says... You're about to visit an external website and make sure you want to do that, and then you click on it again and it'll show you. Okay. Um, it's just so the kiddies don't wander off without meaning to. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're about to leave Disney, so we can't guarantee what anything else is going to be, sort of thing. <laughs> they do that on a number of other websites. There is also a side story, which I have not yet read, uh, called Growltooth's Laws of Acquisition. <laughs> For those of you who want a trip inside the mind of a sneaky, slimy, manipulative assistant caretaker of Hogwarts, warning, do not read without a sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) That might be fun to read, too. Also, everything you wanted to know about Cormac, but were too polite to ask. Oh, yes, here we go. And that's just a one-shot, looks like. Mm -hmm. So, might have to read a few more of these. Well... I thought this was fun. I loved seeing a good Hufflepuff story. I love that the characters are all Hufflepuffs, even Scorpius. And just seeing the adventures that they go on, that Albus is taking after his father more than his brother. And I just, I thought it was a lot of fun. I love the different little humor parts it put in there. I adored Neville coming to the rescue and being badass Neville. That we know he can be. We love badass Neville. We do love badass Neville. So I thought this was really fun. I don't remember who recommended it on the forum, but I was really glad I read it. It was cute. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't. It wasn't over the top or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't have any vomit for Trisha, but other than that, you know what? That's okay. Not everything has to have vomit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Oh, that's good. I'm going to bed, guys. All right. Good night. Sounds like a plan. Goodbye, everybody. And I'll see. Um, we're not. I probably will not be able to uh, podcast next week. Okay. I'll be very, very exhausted. Okay. And sore. Well, I was just going to say this. uh, This was a very good story. I had a good time reading it and seeing what everybody got up to and. As I said last week, I think he did a very good job of keeping to the general feel of the canon Harry Potter books. And it's just, it's always nice to see characters we haven't seen done in ways we haven't seen before and people in Hufflepuff in general, because it's neat to see how people interpret Hufflepuff. And I think this is an interesting um, way of doing it. I quite like the seller and all of that. Um, Right. I like it. I mean, even though they're not as you would think, traditional Hufflepuff, but the thing is, it's. I mean, it just. I don't know. It just gives Hufflepuff a more character. Because I mean, I kind of wouldn't mind seeing someone in Ravenclaw because in the Ravenclaw, you think it's just a bunch of nerds, right? I mean, it's I mean, more. It just gives them more. It gives it a more rounded feel of what Hufflepuff is. And I kind of mm-hmm. like to see that. I would like to kind of see that in every house, though, in a way, too. Right. Yeah. It would be interesting to, to read a 
fic where the heroes were Ravenclaw as well. I think I have read at least one, but um, not recently by any means. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's always nice to see more of the world, which I think Bartimus has done very well here. It's, right. It seems to expand seamlessly from what we knew before. Interestingly, some of the descriptions... I don't remember where, if there was an interview or something where there was a description of Hufflepuff, but this was certainly written before Pottermore. It was written in uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. So if there wasn't, he's done very well uh, sort of anticipating what Hufflepuff would be like. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a good story. I had a great time reading it, and like Trisha, I basically didn't stop at the end of last week. I just sort of kept going, so... Yeah, um, I probably will go on and read the sequel at some point. Well, and actually, I'm just reading some of these other stories. And the one, it's called After Magic. It says, when Fred Weasley died, it took the heart right out of the Weasleys. Now, another one of their number is risking everything to bring Fred back. Remind you of a story we've read before? Mm -hmm. Um, Can they pull together and save him, or will it be one more devastating blow? This is a prequel to Alvis Potter and the Year of the Badger. So and it's eight chapters and mm-hmm. it's also complete. So there you go. That might be fun too. And I don't think I've read this one. I know I haven't read this one. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to be copying a few things here. So yes, there there's 51 stories on uh, this particular author's page, and there's mm-hmm. quite a few Harry Potter ones, and then it moves into Sherlock Holmes ones, which also look intriguing. Yes. So um, he has Stargate. He has MASH, Big Bang Theory. I'm like, oh my gosh. He's pretty well diverse here. Yeah. uh, Look into this guy, people, if you haven't already. Yeah. You might find something you really like. (laughs) All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed it. I sure did. And I think the others did, too. Mm -hmm. And check out some of his other stories and leave him some love if you read it. And we will be back uh, next time with, actually, this comes before... Yeah, we'll be hitting the time warp again. Yes, uh, we are going to do a little time warping before we get so out with the last... Next time conference. you listen to us, it will be five weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yep, that'll be it. Because <laughs> we're going to do a little time warping. But that's okay, we like to play with time around here. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's do the time warp again. All right. Well, good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night, night, Trisha. And Trisha's asleep. (laughs) (laughs) So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.